everybody. How you doing? And welcome to episode number 193 of the John Riley Project. Thanks for joining us today. It's um, it's Friday. Happy Friday to y'all. It's December 11th. We're getting into the thick of the holiday season. And um, today we're going to talk about electric cars, electric vehicles. And I thought this is something it'd be fun to explore. I've, I've done a few podcasts on these in the past, but I'm a big EV enthusiast and love talking about electric vehicles and electric cars. And, you know, we've, we've had a number of podcast episodes with our good friend Pete Neal talking about Corvettes. So we got to kind of counterbalance that a little bit and talk a little bit about electric vehicles. And uh, so, again, we this is a live stream. So, of course, we welcome your thoughts, your comments. Um, be, feel free to leave your comments in the Facebook comment section, in the YouTube comment section. We'll be happy to Read your questions and comments on the air. We'll have a little bit of a conversation, make it kind of fun. But um, yeah, today it's all about EVs, electric vehicles. And this this idea for this podcast came um, earlier this week. And I was talking to someone online and, you know, it's in one of these political forums. We're talking about a variety of issues. We were talking about electric cars and it was interesting because a lot of times the the people kind of believe the political narrative, right? So, you know, during the campaign season, there are a lot of candidates, you know, presidential candidates, candidates for statewide office, local office. And, and you hear a lot, especially from our friends on the left, talking about wanting to build more EV uh, electric vehicle charging infrastructure and how that's so important for a green economy. And it's going to be a, a big boost to the economy. And it's going to be really helpful to make electric vehicles much more prevalent, much more widespread. And, you know, there is some truth to that. But but a lot of times I think these politicians aren't really connected to what's happening in real life. You know, they might have an idea in their mind, which is a snapshot from two or three years ago, but it's changing and things are changing very rapidly in the world of electric cars. And so this guy I was talking to online, and this guy is a very liberal guy. You would think he would be very open to electric vehicles. And he said, oh, no, there's just no way. I mean, not until they really build out the infrastructure. You know, I can't possibly drive a car, you know, especially on the East Coast, He's thinking, well, yeah, in California, you've got infrastructure, but out here on the East Coast, no way. Well, that's a myth. I mean, it's it's completely false. And I was trying to convince him of this because there's a um, there's an app you can get, which I have on my phone. It's called PlugShare. And you can even go to a website called PlugShare.com and it'll plot out a map of every electric vehicle charging station that exists that's, you know, on any of the uh, public networks and in some cases, even private electric vehicle charging stations that allow you to use them. Um, some for free. Most of them you got to pay. But it's interesting is even if you look in the East Coast, um, you'll see that high, not just level two charging stations, but the high speed level three charging stations, they're prevalent. I mean, they're everywhere. Now, granted, they're not as as ubiquitous as a 
gasoline station, which there seems to be three or four of those off of every exit on the freeway. But still, you go into any major metropolitan area and there are tons of electric vehicle charging stations. And even as you get out into the suburbs and even in the rural areas, there are there's plenty of infrastructure that will allow you to drive very long distances in EVs. Um, and it just really kind of, I think it needs to shat, we need to shatter that myth. Um, the myth that there's not enough in- infrastructure. Now, of course, it, it would be best if there was a lot more. Of course, we would love to have EV infrastructure at every every corner, like on a gas station and when you take an exit. But still, um, there's a tremendous amount that is available now. And and, you know, it's interesting is I used to I, I look at the plug share map frequently and every once in a while I'll go, where is an area that there's probably resistance to electric vehicles, that there's probably not as much enthusiasm. And you would think that would probably be in the Southern United States, right? And I remember last year, my wife and I went on a vacation. We went to Nashville and Memphis and New Orleans, and we rented a car. And so I kind of just tracked that uh, map. And sure enough, there are charging stations in between Nashville and Memphis, and even between Memphis and New Orleans that would make those drives very doable in most of the modern electric vehicles, at least the ones that have been built in the last three or four years. So it's, it's entirely doable. And so you most of the time when you hear politicians talking about we need to build out the EV infrastructure i mean obviously it would be great to have more of it but it's not as if the infrastructure that exists today should be any barrier to prevent a person from owning or leasing an electric car because you can get anywhere you need to go um and then usually the flip side of that myth is is People will say, well, an electric vehicle, you can't travel very far. You can only go like 40 miles with electric. Well, that, you know, unless you get a Tesla, you know, (laughs) you'll hear that. But again, that's a myth as well, because electric vehicles, it's it's amazing um, how much distance they have. So I've been driving electric vehicles since 2012. The car that I have right now is a Hyundai Kona that according to its specification, gets 258 miles on a single charge. But the way that I drive, I can get as much as 300. In fact, I I pulled my car out earlier today. It was fully charged in my garage. And my my, uh, mileage indicator said that I had 298 miles of range on my car, even though it's only rated at 258. And that's because of my driving style. I don't typically drive aggressively. So I know... I know how to milk it and try to get the maximum amount of energy usage out of it. But, you know, my wife drives a Tesla Model 3 and that car gets, I think it's around 230 or 250 uh, miles on a single charge. Um, You can even look at other cars. Like we used to have a Chevy Bolt that gets 200 and I think 26 miles on a full charge. Um, Even the Nissan Leaf is up to like 150 to 200 miles. So it used to be a long time ago that the charging range on EVs was very limited. Um, when I was uh, got my first EV, it was in 2012, and I had a Ford C-Max. And this car had an electric range of 21 miles. And then after you expired that battery, then it went and, and behaved like a hybrid vehicle, kind of like um, um, a Toyota Prius. So it kind of had a, another set of batteries, and it and it worked in conjunction with the gas engine. So it was a very efficient car back in the day. 
Then I got a, um, a BMW i3 who back at that time only had 80 miles of electric range, but that was in 2015, I think, when I got the i3. Um, and then in 2019, I got the Hyundai Kona, which has 258 miles range. And this is just going to keep improving. So the the notion of you're, you're going to run out of energy is really kind of a almost a false fear because how many miles a day do you drive? Seriously. I mean, according to um, the Department of Transportation, the average American only drives 40 miles a day, you know, for their regular commute, or maybe they got to go in town, out of town, 40 miles a day. Even in California, you know, most people don't drive that far. I mean, there's certainly there are some exceptions, but it's pretty rare for a person to put 100 miles a day on a car. Well, if you're only driving 40 miles a day, 60 miles a day, 100 miles a day, well, geez, you could you could charge your car at night and then, you know, it's never a problem. And so, like, for example, at our house, we have um, a, a charging station in our house. We have a Clipper Creek um, charging station. It's a 50 amp station that works really well. And we use it and share it between our two cars. And we we charge, you know, obviously during the day, we're taking advantage of our solar and charging always when the sun is on. Uh, but when the sun is down, we'll still charge and pull a little bit off the grid. But it's never a problem. I mean, every time we leave our house, our cars are are at or very near 100%. So there's never really any fear on day-to-day driving that you're going to run out of energy. And then, you know, if you do happen to go on a long trip, which is not a common thing, but, you know, I'll go on long trips maybe once or twice a month or, you know, depending on the situation, I can travel and there's always charging stations everywhere I go. In fact, a lot of times, You'll find them at shopping malls. You'll find them at hotels, at other areas where you're likely going to be out of your car, getting something to eat, doing some shopping, spending the night, and your car can charge while it's just sitting there. And so it makes long-distance drives very achievable. So this notion of the myth that there's not enough infrastructure, well, there's a lot, and it's rapidly being built. Um, But and it's changing very quickly and cars are getting more and more range. And, you know, Tesla is going to be coming out with what they call the Roadster that's going to be coming out. They said it in 2020. Um, I don't know if it's come out yet or not, but it's supposed to have 620 miles range, which is that's actually more than most gasoline cars. Um, so that's incredible. And you're going to see as battery technology improves, the range on these cars is going to be dramatically um, improved. But. I want to tell a few stories here because in the early days of electric vehicle uh, charging, when there wasn't much infrastructure, I'd like to play the game. I like to go on like a treasure hunt, like an adventure and try to figure it out. And so back in 2015, when I had my BMW i3, I I needed to attend a, um, we got Mike Polite chiming in on the podcast. I'm buying a Model S. Don't don't tell Pete. Um, yeah, those Model S's are sweet vehicles, Mike. Um, back in 2015, I, I wanted to go to a conference and it was in Las Vegas. And at the time, there was limited electric vehicle charging station infrastructure, especially in the desert. And I thought to myself, do you think I can make it? Could I actually take my BMW i3 with a 80 mile range 
And could I charge enough times along the way to make it? And at the time, this is again, 20, in 2015, the last charging station on the road was in Barstow, um, at least a high speed charging station. And then there was nothing um, until you got to the to Prim um, right there on the border. And then, of course, when you got into Las Vegas, there was charging infrastructure. But my BMW i3 also had this what's called a range extender. And it had a little gas engine and the, it was like a motorcycle engine that would fire up and then it would charge the batteries. And that would give me like an additional 60 miles of range. So Again, this is a long time ago. This is five years ago. And in the world of EV charging infrastructure, that's like, you know, back in the dinosaur age. But I drove my I-3 from Poway up to um, Lake Elsinore to the to the outlet malls. I charged there. And then I drove up to Riverside and I charged there. And then I drove from Riverside over the Cajon Pass into Victorville and charged there. And then at that point... Um, I was fully charged with electric and I was able to use 100% of electric energy to get to Baker, you know, the home of the world's largest thermometer. But then, back then, Baker didn't have any charging infrastructure. Now, now they have they have uh, three uh, major networks of charging, well, actually four, um, Electrify America, ChargePoint, EVgo, and um, and Tesla all have huge charging stations in Baker. Um, but back in 2015, there was nothing. And so then that's when I used my little range extender, which gave me another 60 miles. And I had to stop at like some little podunk gas station on the way before I dropped into Nevada. And I added a little bit more gas into my range extender. And then I was able to make it to Prim. But I brought with me like a one gallon gas tank, you know, just in case, because I'd be stranded out in the desert. Um, and then I got to Prim and there was a charge point charging station right next to um, Whiskey Pete's, if you've ever driven by there. And I got to figure, okay, I'll charge here and then it'll be easy going into Vegas. And that charging station didn't work. And so I couldn't, it was broken. It, even according to the plug share app, I looked it up, it wasn't working. So then I used my range extender and it kind of got into Vegas and then I was able to charge and everything was great. But since then, I mean, since 2015, this is five years later, there's tremendous amounts of electric vehicle charging infrastructure in between Southern California and Las Vegas, making that drive a no-brainer. And you don't necessarily need to have a long-range car like a Tesla or like my Hyundai Kona um, or a Chevy Bolt. You can do it in even some of the lesser-range cars like a Hyundai Ioniq or um, a Nissan Leaf. It's definitely very easy to do, very doable to travel long distances. Uh, Mike Polite chimes in. He says, in my defense, there are literally no C8 convertibles available. And I've been using every inside channel I have to get my hands on one. Um, yeah, those, those seats. Um, that's the um, the newest vehicle, right? Is that the one that's electric? Um, that, she that Chevy is talking about coming out with a new Corvette would be all electric. I know our buddy Pete Neal has a C7, which is just a badass car. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's a internal combustion engine. You know, our EV friends like to call them ice vehicles, uh, for internal combustion engine. Uh, but yeah, those are, those are terrific cars. 
Um, Mike says the Chevy Bolt had a similar setup. Yeah, I remember I test drove a, a, a Chevy Volt with a V. And this was one of the more innovative electric cars back in the day. And it had a gas engine in it. And I think like a, I don't know, maybe a one or like a two or three gallon tank. And it would give you, I think it was about 40 to 60 miles of electric range. Um, but then that gas engine would kick in as necessary. And then it would charge the batteries, which would then in turn, the batteries would turn the wheels on the car, um, which is basically how my BMW i3 worked. But again, that was back in the day, back when batteries weren't nearly as powerful as they are now. I mean, there's been massive, innovative leaps in battery technology that's, that's occurred over the last few years, especially with the work that Elon Musk is doing um, with his, what do they call it? I think a gigafactory. And now the battery technology is available for home use to link up with your solar power. Power. So energy um, uh, with battery technology is going to continue to make leaps, uh, leaps forward. I wouldn't be surprised if in the near future we're going to see EVs with range of, you know, near a thousand miles um, because battery technology is going to continue to improve. Um, Mike says, also, that's the hurdle my wife is having a hard time getting over, charging on the way to Vegas. It's doable. I mean, this is one of the myths that there's not enough charging infrastructure. The best evidence is get go to PlugShare.com or, or download the PlugShare app. And that is a, essentially a database of every charging station in America and I think even in Canada. And it'll show you on a map and it plots the points on the map where the high-speed charging stations are, the level three. It'll tell you where the Tesla charging stations are. It'll tell you where the, the level two stations are, which you'll probably see more often in, in um, parking garages. Uh, it'll it'll show you everything and and you can filter it to, to only show the high speed charging stations and you'll see that they're up and down the 15 freeway all through the desert from Victorville to to Barstow to Baker to a few of the other little tiny you know, um, exits that are off on the side of the road um, till you eventually get to state line and then into Vegas. So that really shouldn't be an objection. Um Bruce McCoy says, what is the fastest charging time now on the road? Well, it depends how much you need to charge, right? I mean, if you if you um, are at 60% and you want to get your car up to 80%, that might only take you like 10 or 15 minutes. But if in an extreme case, um, uh, Bruce, if you had a car like my car, if I was at dead zero and I needed to charge my car to get to 80%, it takes about an hour. It's not that long, really. Um, so, and a lot of times if I'm traveling, I can, you know, get a bite to eat or I can, you know, stretch or, you know, I, I can work on some different things. An hour goes by in a snap. And it used to be before these high speed charging stations existed that to go on a high speed, you know, like for my car, if I were to use a level two charging station, like the one I have in my house, I think it would take about 10 hours to fully charge. But at a high-speed charging station, the ones you see on the road that are usually from companies like EVgo and Electrify America and EV Connect, ChargePoint, yeah, like an hour. And if you have a a, a car like a, a Hyundai Ionic that maybe only has a 120-mile range or a Nissan Leaf that only has a 150-mile range, then you could charge that car from dead zero to 80% in far less time, 30 minutes, 
20 minutes, not that big of a deal. Um, so, you know, granted, it's not like going to a gas station where you can fill up your car and go get a snack in the convenience center and be in and out in five minutes. But it's getting there. It's it's taking a little time, but it's improved dramatically and it's going to continue to improve. So, um, yeah, I don't really I don't really see that as that big of an objection, Um, especially since. 98% of my driving is local. 98% of my driving, I charge my car at home and I never even have to use a high speed charging station in, you know, any of the public settings. When I'm here in San Diego, I never need to charge my car at, uh, at a charging station in a shopping mall or in a strip mall or in a parking garage. I mean, never. I, I never need to, but I will sometimes. Like actually earlier this morning, um, I went down to the Target here in Poway and they have a free electric vehicle charging station right there, right in front of the store. I mean, the, the parking space is, is better for the EV drivers than it is for the handicapped drivers. Um, so I, I, every time I go to that shopping center and um, it's that those parking spaces are open, I always take them because I figured, heck, if they're going to give me free juice, I'll take full advantage. And plus I get a primo parking spot that's right in the very front. But, you know, almost never do I have a need to charge my car at a public charging station when I'm here in San Diego. Now, granted, when I had my BMW i3, you know, this is three to five years ago, um, it only had an 80 mile range. So, yeah. So if I was on like a a long drive and let's say I wanted to go out to the desert and back or, you know, just wanted to explore around town, then, yeah, I could find myself in a pickle, you know, driving 80 miles. And that's why I had that range extender that was handy. But I, I remember there were a few times I had to charge my BMW i3 locally. But now I have a Hyundai Kona, 258 mile range. I actually can get about 300 the way I drive. I have no need. I mean, it's really rare to drive more than 300 miles a day, especially if you're just driving around town. Um, so more more comments here on the live stream. Mike Polite says, C8 is the new Corvette, the mid-engine, but all ice. Okay, so that'll be all gasoline. So I guess it's the one after the C8. Is that the C9? Is that what they're going to call it? Um, Mike Polite says, also, she doesn't like how quiet it is. Really? You don't like how quiet an electric car is? Um, It is kind of freaky. Like if you're in a parking lot and an electric vehicle is driving near you and you don't hear them, like my car makes, when I'm going less than I think 15 miles an hour, it makes a kind of a weird sound like the Star Trek Enterprise is approaching. You know, it's uh, it's a very faint electronica sound. Um, And I think most EVs do something like that. But I'll tell you what, when you're driving... I mean, sure, there's the thrill of the rumble of the engine and everything when you're in a gas car. But for me, that thrill wears off pretty quickly. Um, When I'm driving, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm listening to a Padre game. You know, I'm more focused on that audio than I am the audio of my engine. But, you know, I get it. I mean, if you're raised in the days of hot rods, I mean, you get a thrill out of the sound of your engine. Um, You know, different strokes for different folks. Uh, Mike Polite says 80 to 100% is what the uh, what takes the big chunk of time. Yeah. The way that EV charging stations work, the high speed ones, once you get to 80%, they begin to 
decrease the energy flow. And I think it's a way to, you know, for safety because the battery kind of heats up. And so it'll slow down when you go 80 to 85% and then 85 to 90, it slows down more, et cetera. So usually when you're on a long drive, you're only going to want to drive a uh, charge to 80% and then be on your way because beyond that it's diminishing returns. Now, when I charge from home in my, um, in my garage with my Clipper Creek level two charging station, well, I can get that to a hundred percent. No problem. That's easy. Um, but again, I think that's going to change too. I think as battery technology improves, the charging stations themselves, they'll deliver the juice. I mean, they're happy to, to deliver it. It's, the way the cars are built and whether they can accept it and whether they can accept it safely. And I think they're, you know, they're erring on the side of safety. So again, when you're on the road and there's plenty of charging stations along the way, 80%, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's, it's close enough. Um, but as I got into this, you remember I told you this whole thing was kind of sparked by a conversation I had online with a guy who was on the East Coast and said, there's not enough electric vehicle charging infrastructure. And I was telling him, like, look, man, that's not true. And I was explaining to him and I was showing him the facts. But then, of course, you know, when you're in a debate, sometimes they'll move the goalposts. And there was a different objection and say, well, you know. What I really need is a truck because sometimes I got to haul stuff and, you know, I'm doing that. And like, OK, if you need a truck, um, EVs aren't all the way there yet. I know Tesla's coming out with a truck. I know a lot of the American manufacturers are coming out. With that. I think they already have hybrids. Um, but eventually, I think we're going to see the larger cars are going to have batteries. That's not in the in that far in the future. Um, but, you know, I used to be a truck guy. I had um, an old 68 Chevy pickup back in the 80s when I was in college. I had a Dodge Dakota in the 90s. I had a Chevy Silverado in the 2000s. I used to be a truck guy. But I I just realized that I was a truck guy more be based on the whole personal brand, the kind of the um, how I wanted to be thought of. Uh, And I realized it was just it was it was pointless to drive a truck for me because I rarely needed a truck. I mean, granted, when I needed it, it came in handy. Um, but I also didn't feel it was important to continue having a truck when get, back then gas prices were going through the roof. And then I switched to little cars and then very quickly to electric cars and have never looked back. And I'm really happy I have. Um, but anyways, there, there's a lot of other myths, you know, that cir- circulate out there. And I want to go through a few more of these. I mean, because it's more than just the infrastructure and the range of the cars. You know, other people say, yeah, those electric vehicles, those things are slow. They're like golf carts. You know, they can only go like 40 miles an hour. That's a bunch of BS. I mean, if you ever been in an electric car, these things are like rocket ships. I mean, you put your foot on the gas and you will blow doors off the line against almost any gas car that exists because they have such massive torque and the torque is like instantaneous. So I remember with my BMW i3, which was a little bit more sporty than the Hyundai Kona that I have now, and it was lighter. And man, I would hit the gas on that and it was like you'd feel, I'm joking a bit, but not much, you'd feel G-forces pull you back into the seat. And I remember they did a study and the BMW i3 was the fastest car on the market from zero to 30 miles an hour. Now, obviously, once you get at higher speeds and some of those gas cars are going to take over, but 
I've seen dragsters that are electric cars that are blowing doors on these gasoline vehicles. And it isn't until you get to like a half a mile, a three quarter mile, maybe even a full mile that the gas cars can eventually overpower and pass them. Um, electric vehicles are just so quick off the line. And that's what makes them so fun to drive. They're just really nimble and quick. And it's like driving like a little MG, you know, a little Austin Healy, you know, it's just got that fun, sporty feel to it. Um, you also hear another objection. People say, well, electric vehicles are just too expensive, you know. And, you know, when, when Tesla came out with their cars, they were expensive. You know, the Model S, I think, was the first one that came on the market. And I think those started around 80 grand. And there were some that were well over 100 grand, depending on the options. And then they came out with the Model, was it the X, I think, that came out after that? And that was still well north of 60. But then... Uh, the game changer really was when Chevy came out with the Bolt. And there, the, I think the retail price on that car was in the high 30s, if I recall. And the Chevy Bolt, of course, was the next evolution after the Volt, which we previously talked about. The Bolt was 100% electric, no gas engine anywhere, got about 226 miles of range. We used to have one, a great car. And that was 30, I think 37, 38,000 MSRP. Um, but then on top of that, there are all these rebates that are available that are just tremendous. So the federal um, government gives you $7,500. Um, here in California, we've got an extra $2,500. Um, it was fantastic. So not only are the cars becoming less expensive, but there's a lot of electric vehicle credits that are available to you as well to take advantage of that makes the cars themselves very affordable. Now, are they going to be as affordable as like the lowest end, cheapest gas car? No, but you know, a lot of EVs, really good EVs are available used, especially as they come off of leases. And so I've seen uh, like um, a Nissan Leaf, only one year old, like 19,000 bucks. Um, so there, and I'm sure there, that price could probably be negotiated down. So EVs are not nearly as expensive as they used to be. That's another one of the big myths is that they were just so expensive. And that's just not true. And I think as the battery technology improves, as the electric vehicles become more common, more widespread, as there's more scale into the manufacturing of these vehicles, I think we're going to see prices continue to drop. So um, I think that's awesome. Uh, a little bit of a side note on the, the credits, you know, I'm like a, you know, it's funny how this works out because politically speaking, <laughs> um, I am not a fan of any kind of subsidies or corporate welfare because effect effectively what this is, is corporate welfare, right? It's a subsidy to the buyer, but that money goes right back into the hands of the auto manufacturers. So it's a subsidy to Tesla or it's a subsidy to Ford. I mean, essentially that's where the money goes. I mean, I know for me, when I got my car at a $7,500 federal tax rebate, I use that as my down payment. Um, so these credits go to you as an individual, but ultimately they go right back in the hands of the manufacturer. So they're a form of corporate welfare, which I, as a general rule, I'm not in favor of, but 
it's a way to make the cars more affordable for me. And it's a way for me to kind of get some of my tax dollars back and kind of play the system, play the game um, and kind of work it, you know, and, and that way I can drive a pretty cool car with the latest technology that's fun to drive. And I like being, you know, kind of on the cutting edge of this technology, you know, sort of an earlier adopter. Um, and then I get the ability to get some of my own tax dollars back because I'm already paying through the nose with federal taxes and, oh, my God, California taxes. It's nice to be able to play the game to get some of that back. Um, so will these rebates continue? Probably not indefinitely. I'm, you know, I know the rebates for Tesla have ratcheted down because they hit a milestone. I think they sold and was it 100,000, 200,000 cars? And once they get to certain milestones, then the credits become less. So if you're thinking of getting an EV, the, you know, the best time to do it is now while you can take full advantage of that credit. But it's like free money sitting out there. You know, you figure you're already paying through the nose. You may as well see if there's a way to get it back. Um, some people think electric vehicles aren't safe. And I, I've heard that one before, too. They're like, ah, oh, these are cheap. You know, they'll just crinkle if they get, you know, in a, in a crash. Well, that that's not true either. I mean, the, 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 you'll, you'll see that the the what are the companies that do the testing? It's not Consumer Reports, but there's um, other companies that do the testing. You'll see the crash test dummies, you know, when they blast into a uh, a barrier. They're right on par with electric with regular gas cars. In fact, my BMW i3 that I had, the whole inside, I guess you would call it the body of the car, was made out of carbon fiber that was way stronger than steel, way stronger, way safer to keep me in the compartment of that car than a regular gasoline car would have. Plus, you know, it has all the airbags and all the other safety features that you would expect. So these cars are as safe, or in many cases, safer than a lot of gas cars. Um, and then some people have said, oh yeah, well, the electric vehicles, the batteries, they catch on fire. Well, yeah, that's sure that's happened. I mean, we've seen that in the news, but the, what the, what ends up with the news is they tend to sens sensationalize it, right? If it bleeds, it leads. So if you look at the the likelihood of a car catching on fire, you know, versus an electric vehicle battery catching on fire, I mean, they're roughly on par as far as the probability of that happening. Um, and this was, um, yeah, from the um, National Highway Transit Safety Association. They said the frequency and severity of fires and explosions from lithium-ion battery systems are comparable or perhaps slightly less than those for gasoline or diesel-powered models. So, yeah, they're, they're absolutely very safe. Now, speaking of gas cars, one of, I know I have this personal, I know, inside joke with myself um, that whenever I'm on the road, on the freeway, and like if you're, let's say you're on a long drive and in the distance you can see a car is on fire, I mean, obviously a tragic situation, but I always tell myself 50-50 chance it's a Volkswagen bus. And that always proves to be the case. It's funny how that, that actually works. And, and by the way, Volkswagen's coming out with an electric Volkswagen bus. They're bringing back the models. I think it's awesome. Um, so here's another one. They say oh, electric cars, you know, they're, they're not, if you really think about it, they're not greener than a gas car. I mean, you got the batteries and, and the manual, the way they build the cars, they're just as dirty for the environment. And besides, you know, where does electricity come from? It comes from coal, right? And so you're burning coal. It's just an indirect smokestack. 
Okay, so let's break this one down. Um, so first of all, the in California, at least in San Diego, we don't get any of our electricity from coal. I mean, San Diego Gas and Electric, if you plug into the grid to charge your car, San Diego Gas and Electric, 45% of their electricity comes from renewable sources like wind and solar. And an additional 40% of it comes from natural gas. Now, granted, natural gas is a fossil fuel, but it's just way cleaner than coal, way cleaner than coal. Okay, but on top of all that, like we have two electric cars and they're powered by solar. We have solar on the roof of our house. We have a charging station in our garage. We share it between our Tesla Model 3 and our, our Hyundai Kona. Basically, we rarely even need um, any juice outside of our solar power um, charging, which we do during the day. And then, so yeah, sometimes at night we'll charge. Uh, and if we eventually get one of those batteries for our solar system, then we could actually use solar energy at night to charge our cars, which would be a nice upgrade. But for us, I mean, we're, we're probably really clean. And granted, my interest in electric vehicles, I'm not a tree hugger. I mean, the environmental benefits are nice, but it's not the driving reason why I like the technology, like, like the cars. I like the cars because they're fun to drive. I like the innovation um, of the technology. Um, I like I like how it's kind of like driving a video game <laughs> when you're in these cars to, you know, try to maximize energy and find charging stations and then all the little technology toys that are on the dashboard. I love that part of EVs. But for me, the environmental benefits are just a bonus. I mean, it's not I mean, for some people, they drive electric vehicles purely because they want to, you know, be green. And for me, that's nice, but it's not the main thing. But still, Driving an electric car is just so much cleaner. I mean, there's no gas pipe. There's no emissions coming out of the car itself. The energy usage, this is an interesting stat that I read. Electric motors convert 75% of the chemical energy from batteries to power the wheels. By comparison, internal combustion engines, ICE vehicles, only convert 20% of the energy stored in gasoline. So right there, they're more efficient. With, with the energy itself. And then when they're on the road, they, um, you know, they're, they're not emitting any, any um, carbon emissions. So electric vehicles are not, you know, pure. They're not, you know, utopia, but they're dramatically cleaner than gas cars. And what about the batteries? Well, the batteries, that's an issue, right? Because these lithium batteries and, and but what, what turns out is a lot of these car batteries can be recycled and they're used, um, where was I reading this? It was interesting is that they're using those for um, uh, to power um, houses and 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 other technology to capture energy from solar and wind. Um, those batteries can be repurposed um, where the energy you know, as the battery kind of over time begins to lose some of its um how would you say, you know, the battery fatigues a little bit over time, where if you're driving a car, you want to have the, the, the most fresh battery possible. But when you're charging a bigger, like a house, and you have the opportunity to be charging all day under the sun, you don't need a, a slightly fatigued battery is still fine. So a lot of these car batteries are being recycled for other purposes. And in other cases, they're able to actually recycle components of those batteries and use them in other batteries. And right now, sure, 
sure they're using lithium ion, but over time that's going to change too, because think about 20 years ago, what kind of technology, what kind of chemistry did they use for batteries then? And it just seems like they just keep getting better. And as they do, it's going to keep getting cleaner. Um, some people say, this is an interesting one, and they'll say, well, an electric vehicle won't save any money. You know, it's by the time you pay for the electricity and everything else, it's just the same as paying for gas. And that's another BS myth. So this is a really interesting case because I did the math. And let's say, for example, you have, you drive 15,000 miles a year, which is about what I drive. And let's just say that you have a, a gasoline engine and that gets... 25 miles a gallon, which is pretty common for a lot of cars is right, right there in the mid twenties. Well, that means you would, you would use 600 gallons of gasoline a year. And if you assume that gas here in California, here where I live is about three bucks a gallon. I mean, a little bit more, a little bit less. It varies. It's been as high as four or $5 a gallon, but right now let's just to make the math easy, assume $3 a gallon, 600 gallons a year. That's $1,800 a year that you're paying just in fuel to drive 15,000 miles a year. Well, the environmental protection agency said that a Hyundai Ionic electric car will cost an owner $500 a year to traverse those same 15,000 miles. So the Ionic is a car from Hyundai that I think gets, is it around 115, 120 mile range on a fully charged? But still, that car, 15,000 miles costs 500 bucks. A, a gas car that gets 25 miles a gallon at three bucks a gallon, that's going to cost $1,800. So it's dramatically less expensive um, when it comes to, to fuel or energy. But that doesn't even count like maintenance costs. I mean, it's unbelievable how inexpensive it is to maintain an electric vehicle because you don't need oil changes. You know, the, the transmission never blows out. You, you don't have radiator failures. Um, you don't have to do tune-ups because there's no engine. Um, so like when I have to have my car maintained, what do they do? They rotate the tires or rotate the wheels um, and um, maybe they'll fill up the windshield wiper fluid. <laughs> That's kind of it. You know, every once in a while, there'll be a software upgrade that I'll, I'll have to go in and they'll upgrade the system. To, and, and usually they'll either correct an error or they'll find ways to make the car better and more efficient. Um, I know, remember, BMW had done that with a software upgrade and got more miles, more range. And then, of course, you know, you still have to, like, replace tires and change the brake pads, just like you do with a gas car. Um, but there's no engine. So it's insane how much less expensive the routine maintenance is on an electric car. I mean, it's, it's just not even close. Um, what else? I mean, people have said the power grid isn't big enough to handle hundreds of thousands of cars. And I think that's more BS as well, because they're constantly, there's, there's a constant demand for more energy and innovative people are coming up with new ways to create energy. So I don't see that as a problem either. I think if we think in a fixed mindset that nothing changes, then yeah, at some point we have a finite amount of energy and we'll hit a max. But as, as all these alternative forms of energy come forward, like solar, like wind, uh, as hydropower gets better and there's still, you know, there's still oil that's being mined that can be used to create electricity as well. I don't, and, and America is creating more 
you know, uh, you know, with shale oil, more oil than it's ever has. In fact, I think it's a net exporter. I don't think that the power grid is ever going to run out. Now, granted, the power grid needs some upgrades here in California. There are issues, but generally, I think they shut down the power grid because, um, you know, for fire danger. Um, but still, I, I, again, so many myths with electric cars. So the, the big one is the range. And the infrastructure, because people have this fear, this they call it range anxiety, that you can't drive a long distance because you're going to run out in the middle of the road. And what are you going to do? You can't like get a gas tank and walk down the street and fill up and fill up your car. It, it's not a big deal. I mean, when you're driving around town and you have a car like a Nissan Leaf that gets 150 to 200 miles on a full charge, that's not a problem at all. I mean, how, how far is your commute? It's not far. So. There are just so many myths with electric vehicles, but there's also a lot of really awesome advantages to having an electric car that go beyond the things that we've already discussed. And I, I want to put them out there. So uh, some of them we've already talked about. You don't need to buy gas. You get $7,500 federal tax credit from the federal government. You get $2,500 back from the state of California. And I think in other states, I think Colorado gives like $5,000. I mean, it varies by state. So there's money available there. Here's a big one. We, we, um, our electric cars, we have a sticker that we get from the Department of Motor Vehicles and it costs us, I don't know, 20, 30 bucks for this. And it allows us to drive in the HOV lane for free. So here in San, I don't know our listeners and our viewers where they're from, but here in San Diego County, I live off of the 15 freeway. I live in the city of Poway and Right along the 15 freeway, there is what we call high occupancy vehicle lane. So if you're in a carpool, you kind of have this lane that you can drive in that you can beat the traffic and it flows way faster, especially during rush hour. Well, if you want to drive in that lane by yourself, you have to pay um, a fee and it could be as much as like $16 a day round trip to go from where I live here in Poway to the end of that line, which is, you know, just south of Miramar Air Station. So if you were driving to Mission Valley or downtown San Diego, you could potentially spend like 16 bucks a day. But for electric vehicle drivers, we can drive in it for free. <laughs> I mean, you had to pay the upfront fee with the, with the um, DMV that I think was really cheap, like 20 bucks or something, if I recall. And then we can drive in that for free and it saves tons of time. And so my wife works down in Mission Valley. And so that makes a huge difference for her on her drives because she can be in that carpool lane, that HOV lane, and she just cruises through. Um, a friend of mine, he lives up in the East Bay in San Francisco Bay Area, and his wife bought, this was back like five five years ago or so, back when I had my BMW i3, his wife got an i3 specifically to get the sticker to drive in the HOV lanes because the traffic was so terrible for the regular gas cars on their commutes. So, I mean, that's just another huge thing. Now, the other part of it that's awesome if you want to get an electric car is that like with San Diego Gas and Electric, if you tell them that you have electric vehicles, they will give you a rebate on your electricity rates. So, um, it only it's only a rebate that applies to um, certain hours, like because you know if you're going to be charging your car at night. Um, we got so much in rebates from San Diego Gas and Electric. 
Um, and because we have solar, we use very little electric. We had this big credit <laughs> and it took us, it wasn't until like one of the summers where we just blasted the air conditioning and didn't really care uh, because we had solar during the day. And even at night, we had such a massive, I think it was like over a thousand dollar credit with SDG&E that we had built up over the years because of our electric vehicles. And that was awesome. But even if you don't have an electric, uh, if you don't have solar and you're still getting your, your electricity off the grid and you charge at night, like most EV drivers do, you get a cheaper rate for electricity because you have an electric car. And so um, that's a huge deal because electric rates here in San Diego County are really expensive. Um, then the other benefit is, is that there's so many businesses that are out there that bend over backwards that want to give you free charging. Um, so you'll see charging stations like the one I talked about, the Target here in Poway. There are two charging stations there, two parking spaces, and you can charge for free. Um, and obviously they want you to go in and shop, which I'm going to do anyways. Um, I remember not too long ago, we drove up to Stone Brewery up in Escondido and they had a free charging station right out there in front. Um, now, sometimes you go to these shopping centers, you got to pay for the, the charging, but still it's relatively cheap. But you're finding that there's a lot of cases where businesses are using charging stations as almost a marketing tool, as a magnet to attract customers. And because all of the EV drivers have that app on their phone, plug share that I talked about, we can go, we look and we find out, okay, who has the free charging? Because we all like to gamify the whole thing and we'll go find the free charging. Um, so it, it, so again, as the, that's the beautiful thing with this whole green energy movement. Even if you are a tree hugger or not a tree hugger, the reality is, is that it's politically correct to embrace the whole green energy movement. So why not just take full advantage? Um, if people are going to be, you know, trying to make their business look good and embrace the environment and, and have charging stations and they're offering it for free, just say thank you very much and charge your car. And obviously, if you're a tree hugger, then you want to align with those businesses that share your values about the environment and, and patronize them. And good for you there as well. So there's so many cases of this. I mean, there, there, um, for the longest time, there was um, a special electric vehicle charging stations at Costco. They were like a, on the bleeding edge of this, probably around 2010. But their infrastructure was really old-fashioned, and it went obsolete quickly. Um, so they don't offer it anymore. And I remember Best Buy had it for a while. And then they, re they had actually parking spots just for EV drivers, but they didn't have a charging station. And, it's, and it was like, these spots are reserved for our environmentally conscious customers. And it was kind of a little virtue signaling thing, but they eventually took down those signs. I'm wondering if people complained. Um, but still, you'll see that in a lot of other places where the charging stations are available for free or the parking spaces will be in a really attractive location or both. Um, so again, people are trying to, you know, bend over backwards to help electric vehicle drivers, you know, why not take advantage of it? Um, so yeah, just, there's just so much to this. It's, it's, I think it's really worth talking about. Um, you know what I meant to talk about earlier in this podcast and I, I forgot to do it, but I'm going to share it now. I, I went on, well, I did, I talked about one of them. I went on my long range drive from Poway to Vegas, but I got more extreme with this. And in April of 2019, I drove my Hyundai Kona right after I got it from San Diego to Albuquerque and back. And 
that was an adventure because while the charging infrastructure was great in San Diego and I get out into the California desert and, you know, there's enough of it. And even you get into Arizona, you know, around Phoenix and Yuma and Tucson, there's enough charging infrastructure to to make it work. But back then in April of 2019, once you went into Eastern Arizona and into New Mexico, oh my God, it was like entering, um, you know, a, a, a desert with no oasis. Is that the right word? Oasis ease or oases? What? Is, how do you say the plural of oasis? There, there was. It was really hard to find charging infrastructure, but I, like I tell you, I get this weird joy of gamifying it. And so I was able to find charging stations and I was able to plot my way. And in a few cases, I had to be really careful the way I drove not to drive too aggressively because I could burn too much energy and find myself in a bad spot, but I made it. And, and and in fact, I did a whole podcast on that trip, if you um, find it of interest. So just look on John Riley Project. And I even have it on my Trigger Energy page, um, my Trigger Energy YouTube page. I have that whole trip documented. That was amazing that um, I was able to do that. Now, since they've built a lot more charging infrastructure, now it's not a problem at all. Uh, but a year and a half ago, it was difficult. Uh, and then earlier this year, I also drove my car um, from San Diego up to Reno. And th- that drive along the 395 was not possible until um, earlier this year when they've put a high-speed charging station in the city of Bishop. Uh, prior to that, you would have had to take the 99 or the 5 and go to Sacramento and then go over Donner's Pass on the 80. But I wanted to do the 395 route because it's just so much more beautiful. Um, but that was a fun drive. And then on the way back, I challenged myself and I said, I'm going to take a different route and I'm going to go through the the desert of Western Nevada. And I ended up, when I left Reno, I went east on the 80 and went to, was it Fernley or something? And then I went down into the center of um, Nevada. I think I was in Hawthorne and then in Tonopah and then in Beatty. And I eventually popped out on the other side of uh, Death Valley into Ridgecrest and then spent the night there and then came home. But when I was driving through Nevada, what's interesting is the state of Nevada Transportation Department provides high-speed charging stations that are free. Didn't cost me a nickel to use them. That was great. Um, So again, there's all these examples of people just they're they're bending over backwards to be green to to virtue signal to do what's right for the environment why not take full advantage of the opportunity so uh i mean imagine you know making a long drive and going into a gas station and it's free i mean you'd never see that but with electric vehicles you do so i think it's terrific and so there there are so many amazing benefits to electric vehicles there are so many myths to electric vehicles that a lot of people don't understand. And I think a lot of it's because the technology is changing so fast, so quickly that um, sometimes people have a notion in their mind from 2013, what the electric vehicle situation was like. It, I mean, literally every six months, there are major leaps forward. Um, a lot of these networks like Electrify America, they're rapidly expanding their network um, and making it easier and easier to do long distance driving. So I've been, like I said, from San Diego to Albuquerque. Um, I've done San Diego to San Francisco, San Diego to Reno, San Diego to Vegas. 
um, in some cases with my Kona, but I did, I did San Diego to San Francisco in my I3. That was difficult, uh, but I made that one work as well. And that was when there was very little charging infrastructure in the Central Valley of California. Uh, but I made it work. I was able to finagle it and um, I made it an adventure and it like going hunting for a treasure map. You know, it's kind of fun. It's a way to gamify it. So um, anyways, uh, yeah, this I, I enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did as well. You know, I'm I'm also live streaming this. Um, I normally live stream it on my John Riley Project Facebook page and my John Riley Project YouTube page, but I decided to also um, live stream this on my Trigger Energy Facebook page. And I've mentioned Trigger Energy on some of my previous podcasts, but it's a little entrepreneurial thing I started up and um, to sell EV charging stations. And I sold a few. Um, it's a it's an interesting business. Um, there's a lot that I didn't know, and I'm learning about it. Um, but I've I've actually have built this little this little environment uh, for EV drivers where I have reviews of all these EV charging stations that I visit along the way. I have a YouTube channel with reviews of all of those those charging station experiences. And I've also created some of my own apparel that I sell on Trigger Energy. And, you know, right now I don't have any charging station products on my on my page because um, some of the ones I was I was representing, I've you know, I'm changing some of the companies that I'm, I'm uh, representing. But it's a sort of like a, a little entrepreneurial thing that I do on the side that I hope can turn into something. Uh, but I've learned a ton by being in this industry and trying to ramp up my knowledge. Um, I know with commercial um, EV charging stations, you're dealing with much more significant electrical infrastructure requirements that make that business pretty interesting. It really caters more to those high-end electrical engineers, um, electrical contractors. Um, so, uh, But it's fun. So if you want to check out Trigger Energy, triggerenergy.com, or I've got a Facebook and a YouTube and a Twitter. But the main thing is, is if you're into this, I've got a ton of reviews of EV charging stations that I've visited in California, Nevada, Arizona, and New Mexico that are all on my YouTube page. And I think I I have some of those videos also on my website, triggerenergy.com. So um, what else? Uh, I guess, you know, hey, we're, we're, you know, we're doing the podcast I'm doing it every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at two, and I kind of fell off the wagon uh, right before Thanksgiving. Take a break, and then I got back on the wagon on Monday, and I, I got an episode out. I was really proud of it. Kind of got a big update on news stories, and then I was going to do one on Wednesday, and I just wasn't feeling well. I was, I don't know, I had, I was just achy and tired, and couldn't focus, and. I don't know if it was like a bug going around or I don't know what it is. Uh, I've been quarantined. I live at home, work at home. I don't get out much at all, but um, wasn't feeling good on Wednesday. So today I'm feeling way better. I'm feeling normal again. And we'll be back on this. We're going to continue to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I might change the time. Right now I'm at two o'clock Pacific time, um, but I may change it more to the evenings. I'm interested in some feedback from you in the audience. If you have something to share, if you know a time that's better for you, let me know. Um, and I'll try to incorporate that. Okay. So um, I have a quote. I always like to leave these solo podcasts with a quote. And where is it? And who I got a quote? Of course, got a quote, Elon Musk. And I'm not sure when he said this, but this is a, this is a great quote, kind of indicative of how the industry is going. 
Elon Musk said, I really do encourage other manufacturers to bring electric cars to market. It's a good thing. And they need to bring it to market and keep iterating and improving and making better and better electric cars. And that's what's going to result in humanity achieving a sustainable transport future. I wish it was growing faster than it is. Now, my guess is this quote is a few years old because... Other automobile manufacturers are making great strides. I know Volkswagen is about to come out with a ton of different models, including an electric VW bus, which is cool. Um, I know Ford and and Chevrolet have made major investments. The next Corvette's going to be electric. I think a lot of this is going to change in the next three to five years. I think we're going to see a radical change where there's going to be much more production of electric vehicles. We're going to see more of our traditional manufacturers really changing the the product line that they offer. I think we're hopefully we're going to see more, you know, uh, innovators, more new manufacturers. I know there's companies like Fisker that all they do are EVs like Tesla. Hopefully we'll see more of them. And then of course the charging infrastructure is going to keep being built. And I know that here in California, was it governor Newsom signed a bill that would ban the sale of brand new gasoline powered cars by the year 2035. And I remember when that was put in as a law, everyone, like not everyone, but a lot of our gas driving friends were freaking out (laughs) because they're like, no way, they can't do that. That's not possible. Well, I would suggest that a lot of them probably are believing the myths of electric vehicles, probably think of what electric vehicles and the infrastructure and the technology like it was seven or eight years ago. It's changed massively and it's going to be massively different and better in the next three to five years. I predict when we get to 2035, there's it's it's almost going to be like a non-issue. I think the only people that are going to really object are those kind of hardcore auto enthusiasts that have a love affair with, with those kinds of engines and that type of uh, gasoline technology. Um, but I think those that group of people is going to become smaller and smaller over time because people are going to realize these electric cars are faster, funner, more efficient, cheaper, safer, and better. And then imagine what's going to happen when these cars become autonomous and can drive on their own. And then suddenly we may not even need to own a car. We can just summon a car like a taxi and it'll take us wherever we want to go. And then imagine these electric vehicles that are autonomous and they can drive, you know, and communicate with each other so they can drive as a swarm of like 10 or 20 cars and a tight pack. You're going to see more efficiency, more more safety on the freeways, um, and people are going to be able to get to where they need to go less expensively. And then imagine how that's going to change the housing market. We're not going to need as, need as much space for parking. People aren't going to need garages. I mean, we could see huge changes coming forward that not not only going to change the way our transportation, um, you know, our transportation situation um, is handled, but we're going to see way our um, our workspace and our our home space going to have radical changes as well, and I think all for the good. So, okay, so this is episode number one hundred and ninety three of the John Riley Project. It's all about busting electric vehicle myths. I hope you enjoyed this. Um, have a great weekend, and we'll be in touch real soon. Take care, friends. Bye bye.